Hi everybody, you're listening to the Rogue Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk, and we strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to our episode zero on safety and consent in rope before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FedLife page, Rope Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a bottom. We're rock partners who've been practicing together for nearly five years. We live in Bangkok and we love to share our passion for rope with the wider kink community. This episode of the Rope Podcast is sponsored by Friction Live. Friction Live offer rope and rope adjacent classes that you can follow on video conference from anywhere. Find out all their upcoming classes at frictionlive.ca. And we're excited to have a second sponsor for this episode for the first time. Today's episode is brought to you by Praetorian. Praetorian is a talented artist who will work on commission to turn your favorite rope photos into beautiful digital paintings. We think his art is gorgeous and we're looking forward to displaying a few of his pieces in our rope studio. He's fluent in a variety of visual styles, so have a talk with him about the kind of look you'd want and you'll be amazed at what he can produce. You can find all about Praetorian, including the link to order commission work from him in the show notes. Today, Maya, we're really pleased to be talking to Mark. We are, and Mark has been living in Japan for 16 years. In 2006, he ventured into the underground world and encountered traditional Japanese bondage. And from 2010, he began studying in de- under Hajime Konoko, one of the most prolific Japanese rope artists. Mark graduated to become a rope instructor in 2012 and has been practicing, teaching, performing and helping Konoko in various projects ever since. We met Mark last year when he and some other Japanese rope people visited our Thai BDSM community. When, at the end of 2020, he launched a Kickstarter along with a couple of friends for the Japanese Rope Karma Sutra, we were excited and very impressed when it was funded at three times its goal. We thought he'd be a great person to talk to about how rope and sex interact and to hear more about his book. Welcome, Mark. Yes, thank you for having me. We're very pleased to have you. So, Mark, what got you interested in rope in the first place? Um, I, I've been interested in sex at first. And, uh, okay. yeah, <laughs> so I went to what they call here in Japan, uh, happening bars. And, uh, mm-hmm. the first time I went there was around 2005, six. And, uh, there was, I didn't know Kinoko at the time. And one of the opening bar closed, and I went to another one who opened in Shibuya. And this one was Kinoko's base, Kinoko's place, basically. So okay. he he made the bar from the from the scratch, and you could do rope everywhere in the bar. There was a Japanese style room, a Western style room to do rope. There were two stages. I mean, anywhere in the bar you could do rope. Yeah, that sounds amazing. So every week he was doing some shows there uh sm shows and uh cyber rope shows and uh so that's the first time i i saw rope uh, but uh mm. i found it cool beautiful looks a little bit painful for the girl but <laughs> i didn't thought about doing it i mean it just okay i don't want to go on stage i'm not an snm person and uh so i was not interested in it until i saw people in the bar having fun with rope uh, yeah. yeah, and then I saw people like, uh, you know, just doing some more sexual things. I mean, they were just en- enhancing their uh, sexual activity using rope. So I thought, oh, if the girl is having pleasure with that, 
then I want to learn that. Interesting. That's how I started. And so from the moment you decided you were interested, how did you start learning how to tie? Uh, the first time I, 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 yeah, I went to, uh, I, I, the bar is really expensive place. You know, I was a student at the time. So you had to pay like 150 euros, uh, dollars. I mean, it's kind of equivalent. So, uh, to enter there and to have a full night wow. there. And that's yeah, money. that's a lot. And the classes were really cheap, like uh, 25 bucks. But I didn't know if I had to pay the entrance plus that. And mm. I was kind of, you know, uh, anxious about that. And I didn't know the rules. So I, I looked on other places and I went to a really small, dark, dirty apartment in Yokohama in an old mansion where they were doing underground porn shooting in the week. And once a month, a guy would give some small lectures. Uh, they were using cotton rope and it was like 20 guys, no women. So it was like practicing <laughs> dudes together. And even in that context, so we exchange, so we tie, you know, kind of a chest harness. And in that context, I felt, Oh, that's why it's good. I felt the pressure, the friction, the, the breath, uh, change. Uh, mm-hmm. and then I, I saw, Oh, that's why it's good. You know? and, and then I thought, okay, I need to really properly learn it. And uh, once I went to the bar again in Shibuya, then I, I asked, uh, I took my guts with me and I said, okay, please tell me how much this takes the class. Do I have to pay the entrance or not? Can I, can, can I come just for the class? And actually you could come just for the class. And it was really incredible oh. because it's the only class I saw like that anywhere in the world. We started around three o'clock in the afternoon and we finished at nine and a half in the evening. Wow. So very yeah, intense. I, I mean, it's, we took the time. There were two teachers. Uh, there were a guy called Shigure and another one called Otonawa. Uh, Otonawa is still in the scene with a bar in Tokyo called Titi Twister. And, uh, you, you, we could take time. There were two teachers. There were like maybe five couples maximum, maybe six, seven, not much more than that and spread mm. between beginners and intermediate. So you could do the first two hours in, in beginners and then you practice on your own. But the teacher are there. You can ask mm. them things, but they are teaching mainly to the intermediate after. And once both are done, uh, you had self practice for two hours. So it was really, and you could ask multiple things to the teachers. They were here to, you know, you could play around, you could ask stuff, practice. It was really great. So every Saturday I could go there and have this practice and so on. That was really, really good. Yeah, it sounds amazing. And did you have a regular partner to practice with at the workshops? No, no, I didn't have at first. For the beginner's class, like when you use a TK, uh, you learn the TK, I didn't have a regular partner. Uh, so I tried to ask multiple person to tie with me. Sometimes we'll, I will show up without any partner. We will tie between guys. And, uh, but for the intermediate class, you know, you do suspension. So, uh, the teacher told me, no, if you don't have a regular partner, I mean, someone you can of steady with, we don't let you do the suspension class. So Makes it sense. took some time for me to find someone because I didn't want to, I don't want to be in a romantic relationship at the time. So I wanted to have trust mm-hmm. with someone, but no, you know, no misunderstanding about our goal in the relationship. 
So trust was important, but uh, I didn't want the romantic part. So uh, I found someone at some point and then we could start uh, intermediate classes. And how did your journey with Kanoko progress from that to becoming a rope instructor with him? Uh, actually, I met Kinoko in the context of teaching group quite late. I mean, I met him at the bar. I knew I was learning and he was actually not teaching at that time. He was the bar master. He learned rope. He was doing his own journey on rope. He, his students, his staff, learned watching him and sometimes he will give give him some advices but he was not teaching himself at the classes so his students so Shigure was the first uh, graduate student of the classes he he gave to a guy called Shishiwaka and Megane uh, Umitsuki Kurage who were two guys staff at his bar and this guy started the classes and then the first graduate student was Shigure and Otonawa learned with Kinoko, but I asked private lessons, not in the context of the class. So when Otonawa started doing his own journey on rope, because at the time we were more like, uh, we need to learn different things. We need to go different style, learn from different people and so on. So Otonawa wanted to do a professional career in rope. He started stopping the classes and go to other place to learn different things. So then they asked me if I could uh, teach with them. And uh, we mm. teach in this Sleeping Beauty place. But then Kinoko built another place in Shinjuku and another place in Ueno. And when he started in Ueno, they were doing the classes uh, every Tuesday too. Then they asked us to go and teach there. And that's where he started teaching with us too a little bit. And uh, then by being teachers there for a long time, uh, when the bar has been uh, closed because of the police, I would say, they closed the place because of uh, indecent uh, behavior, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he stopped this way, this line of work and become full-time rope artist. So then I helped him much more on, uh, he asked me to help on some installation, uh, on the classes, more we teach, we taught all the time together with all the teachers at the classes. And uh, sometimes he would give some classes to teachers only. Uh, so, so that's really interesting because today they are seen primarily as artists. But what you're saying is before the police pushed them, they were more on the sex side yeah. of things rather than the artistic side. Yeah, it's, I mean, rope is not a way to do money in Japan. It's, it's not. Uh, I, I've been really surprised that in, in America or in France or in Europe, you have people who do rigor. They say, I'm a rigor. Mm-hmm. So they do uh, sessions, they do classes, they do uh, shows, and that's all. And uh, whereas they have a studio, maybe. Whereas here, I mean, Kinoko's main line of work was this happening bar. Mm-hmm. And rope was a way to entertain people, to make some shows, to... Uh, stuff like that at first. Uh, he did it really seriously. Uh, don't uh, misunderstand me with that. But uh, you couldn't, you cannot like just live out of it so, that easily. There's a lot of porn in Japan. So you can do porn mm-hmm. shooting, doing some role for porn, but it's not like you can make a big living out of it. I think that the mm-hmm. only person that is really doing a living out of it is Naka Akira-san now. But even then, I think mm-hmm. he, he, he did uh, other jobs. Uh, he sells DVDs too. He sells books. So it's um, 
uh, I'm, and he has some, he had some studio too. Um, so I'm, I don't know. In Kinoko's, I don't know all, all the jobs of Nakakira san, so I cannot tell that much for him, but for Kinoko san, I mean, he has three different studios that he's managing now. And, uh, he became an artist, uh, with a gallery in Tokyo. So with his work, uh, managed by, uh, the gallery staff and so on. So he's a professional artist now. Uh, but I think it's really rare. I mean, that's, maybe it's the only one in the world doing that like mm. that. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really love making this podcast and sharing it with you. But your support can really help us pay for the hosting, the equipment and other critical costs. So if you like this podcast and you want to support us, you can do so at ropepodcast.com. You'll find ways to buy rope tutorials and gear so we get a small commission from your purchase at no extra cost to you. In addition, you could also donate to us directly on our Patreon, either as a one-off amount or monthly support that can be as little as the price of a cup of coffee. If you can't afford to do that, that's okay. Just enjoy the podcast and maybe tell a kinky friend or two about it. Now back to today's episode. Okay. And so besides the money and business aspect of things if you're tying for pleasure how is tying in japan different from other places and other cultures mm, i i would say this uh when i went to america i think the first time i went to abroad i mean abroad i mean uh, like i would say the first time i went to france back to france mm-hmm. uh, and i went knowing about rope and trying to find place to do rope and to see how the scene was there. Uh, I was really surprised because they were doing a lot of people were doing rope like yoga. Mm. And it was like, I had the impression everyone was fighting about, okay, rope doesn't have to be about sex. And in a way, rope is not sex. It's deeper than that. It's a communication or Rope is, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, it was like a their mag- magnificent rope kind of uh, image. And when, when I went to America, uh, I saw a lot of people doing like fashion rope, I would say. Yeah. Where they are decorative things and talking with the model, just like uh, they, were, they are having a drink, but they are just tying together, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. In a way, it's communication, but it was nothing I've seen before uh, like that. Uh, because in Japan, you, 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 you don't talk when you tie mostly. Uh, you, mm. even when you are in a normal conversation, you don't talk that much. You do more, mm. uh, reading, I would say. The Japanese language is really minimal. So if you can forget some words in the sentence, you will forget some words in the sentence. Most foreigner mistakes in Japanese language is that they try to put a subject in the sentence like I. You say watashiwa, mm. you know, they all say watashiwa, watashiwa. And then, and, and no, you don't say that. Obviously, you're talking, when you're talking, you're almost always saying me. You don't need to precise if, if it's obvious that it's about you. And the mm. same for rope. You, you, you will exchange with rope, but you won't talk that much. For example, you don't have that big negotiations they have in America about consent, for example, which mm-hmm. has good and bad side, I would say. Uh, sure. because of course, because you're, you're not talking about all of that. You don't have a, a really rigid frame that you cannot go with the flow out or some, of course you, you can negotiate consent with, um, smooth boundaries, I would say, but, uh, it's not always the time. 
and and sometimes I, you know, I, I talk to some people. They say, okay, I want to get tiny. They, I want you to tiny, but I don't want you to touch me. And I, mm. how am I supposed to tie you without touching your body? You know, I mean, of course, there was something more about don't uh, caress me. I would say maybe, but. Mm-hmm. You don't know to which extent, from which point that person will consider it's a caress, you know. It's a, so I think this communication through rope is, is different. So on the good side, it would give you more freedom and more improvisation. On the bad side, yeah, models may not say if something's wrong. And mm. Japanese have tendency to not, you know, say, or even if something was wrong, the model would say, no, everything was fine. And they would just take it back home. So it's, it's also not, uh, totally great for that. But yeah, I think it's, you have two extreme. Uh, and I think America is more on the other extreme side. When I went to Canada, for example, I mean, there was some, um, I mean, Northern America. Uh, in, when I went to Canada, I did a workshop and someone told me, what do you think about, uh, the consent problem recently? And then there was like, um, Consent, yeah, consent is very important. You need to have consent, consensual, uh, yeah, of course. And, and I didn't want, I didn't know what she was talking about. What kind of problem? Because there's a lot of problem. And she told me, you know, recently some people go and they have a rope session. And, uh, in the end, um, the, the girl, what do you say? They, they had, uh, sex. After the rope session. And I was like, okay, but did the girl want to have sex? And then she said, uh, yes, they, they do rope. They get excited and they have sex. I said, okay, where is the problem? And she told me because they didn't negotiate sex beforehand. And it took me some hard time to understand what was the problem. And, uh, so they said that they had a, some problem with some people who had rope, had sex, were happy with it. And one week later, the girl would say, actually, I was not happy with having sex. Because the consent was given in the moment. Yeah. Alter we didn't space, negotiate not, the not sex with beforehand. And, mm. and then, oh, so that's wrong. You shouldn't have it sex. And uh, I would say it can be a problem, but not always, because it depends on the Person, I mean, you can have enthusiastic consent with enlightened consent, having sex after a session of rope because you, you started wanting it. But I know also some masochist girl who, if you do rope with them, they will want the sex, even though they will regret it later. As a foreigner, how's that for you? Uh, it's, uh, you know, you have this, you're never integrated Fully in Japanese society, you will always be a foreigner. I'm not sure about other countries though, because I've never been a foreigner in another countries in Japan working and living in the country. But Japan is kind of known for not accepting totally people. So in a way, I have good sides because I'm a foreigner. I don't have to follow all the rules. So I can, for example, go in any bars to go to learn from any guys, rope guys and so on. And nobody will complain too much to me. Like I can be friends with everyone. 
maybe Japanese may have, okay, I'm a student of that guy, so I cannot go to the other teacher to learn something, you know, this kind of thing. Uh, they have to respect their teacher much more than I, I have, for example. I have to. Uh, so I have less pressure, pressure from the society and from the structure, from the hierarchy in the rope world. Uh, but, uh, on the other side, I'm not fully integrated either. So I'm maybe not as close to everyone than the insider uh, Japanese, maybe. Hmm. So you said at the start, Mark, that you got interested in sex first and in rope second. So for you, how does rope and sex fit together and how do you advise people can use rope to enhance their sex life? Um, yeah, I, I always say there's three, three components in the rope. It's like there's a sex, SM and art, and you cannot get rid of them. You always have them. You have a visual aspect of the thing. That's what excites you. And because you take freedom or you apply some pressure on the body, it's not normal in a way. So in a way, there's some SNM part. And if you use cohesion, you have obviously some SNM part. But, uh, you know, when you have sex, cohesion is something interesting. Like, uh, I think everyone has hold hands uh, of someone while having sex. So you cannot touch me. I will do something and, and, uh, you want to move because you want to give back the pleasure, but you can't and it's exciting you. Uh, so there is some uh, teasing, uh, with cohesion that comes into play. And, uh, so using rope to do cohesion play, like tying the hands or tying the legs and so on, free your hands to do something else. You don't have to hold mm. the legs. You don't have to hold the, the hands. So you can use your hands another way. And, uh, I, I, we say, I say with a friend in, in, in Japanese, tegafueru, which means you have more hands. So, mm. and each rope that is applied on the body is applying some pressure, uh, on the body, some friction. It's like you are touching. It's like you're caressing with a rope or, and it replaces your hand in an evident way. Interesting. It's a really yeah. interesting image. So, I would, I say, I usually say that it adds new simulation, like, uh, the pressure of rope, the friction, the blood, uh, um, circulation that is changed, the breath, breath uh, capacity that is impaired and changed, uh, gives new pressure, new stimulation you never add. So it increases the mm -hmm. bandwidth of the stimulations. And also by, playing with this new uh, state of mind when you are tied with this new state of the body too, with the impaired blood circulation and, and breathe, you get also stronger stimulation sometimes. So it increases intensity and uh, wide widths of uh, the bandwidth of stimulation, I would say. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So, so tell us a bit about the book. So yeah. what is it? How did you come to create it? Tell us all about so it. So the book, I, I, I've been doing like this rope for 10 years uh, somehow and uh, I wanted to use it for sex and it took me some time to be able to enjoy it with sex because at first you're on the technical side and you don't explore that much. Uh, and But like I said, there's always sex, SM and art and everywhere I go in the world, there's more art and SM than sex. When I went to... Uh, I went to a, a week of rope workshops in Germany 
when I did a workshop about sex, like about this poses, sex, some people told me, oh, finally some sex here, you know. Hmm. Uh, I, it was the first time I did a workshop in France. Some, so some people came to me, a couple of guys came to me. You were talking about sex. We never talk about sex here. So I found that missing. So I thought, okay, even though everyone is thinking about sex, everyone like it. In Europe, it's kind of hidden. Not People don't talk really about it. And I thought, okay, we, we, all pictures are about torture, rope mostly, the shows are arty and so on. Let's talk about sex. I think it was interesting to, aspect to talk because nobody was talking about it. Then I was in a bar with a friend and I was talking about one position uh, I liked using rope. And then that person told me, why not doing a Kama Sutra of these positions? Mm. I'm sure because I'm kind of famous in my friends circle uh, for doing rope with sex and loving rope with sex. So they told me, yeah, mm. you're Because all French people are perverts. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but I think everyone is a pervert. Uh, it's, uh, it's just expression is different. That's all. Uh, mm. But I'm straightforward about it. I'm, I say it. My parents know I do rope. My brothers know I do rope. Uh, at, at work, I don't say it because they will look me differently. So, yeah, that's how it started. I said, oh, yeah, why not? Yeah, oh, yeah, it would be interesting. And um, I like to do projects with people, to do collaborations. And I wanted also, I know I, I like art too. And I know that artists have a hard time to live. So I was mm-hmm. thinking, okay, my hobbies. I have some money on the side because I have a, a vanilla job that gives me enough money. So I can produce a book paying an art, artist to do the, the, the work and uh, and produce some book like that and everyone will benefit of it. The community will benefit of it. The artist, if I can pay the well, will benefit of it. And uh, my goal was to try to be balanced, not lose too much money in it, but that's it. So I got mm. started. I tried to find um, an artist, which took me a lot of time. Actually, I could not find big professional artists that are full bo- fully booked and they are hard to get uh, some time to work with me. So I found one who actually worked as a TT Twister bar and knew a little bit about trope, which helped a lot. Mm. And I liked her style because uh, it was it's, you know, it's Japanese style, so it's kind of really simple in the drawings. So simple to understand. But also one of the key points I wanted is that the, the guy and the girl would not look like kids. And mm, uh, because yeah. I wanted uh, to sell it abroad, I wanted uh, everyone to uh, be able to enjoy it. And I don't, didn't want any ambiguity about, okay, it's, it's adults having fun. Yeah, it's an adult yeah. theme, and so the characters represented are clearly yeah, adult. Yeah. And I wanted also the, the the character to look like they have fun. It's not about mm. as I say, it's not about S and M. It's about having fun with rope and having pleasure. Mainly. Mm, okay. And we thought a lot about the names of the position because Kama Sutra position in Japanese is called Shijohate. It's a forty-eight position they call it. It comes from sumo, oh. but. Uh, that's uh, what is funny is that there's never, they have never, they've never been 48 position or techniques in sumo. 
uh, they have been on more or less, but never 48. But at some times, <laughs> yeah, at some times they just decided that it would be 48 because 48 sounded like a big number and they were 48 of everything. Mm. And they were the 48 okay. position of Sumo. <laughs> and, uh, in okay. the Edo area, they used this 48 for the Kamasutra too. I'm the Japanese Kamasutra. And also there's no 48 position of the Kamasutra. There's much more. So. <laughs> So you start yeah. you start with a sumo match and the sumos get excited and then they go off to the side and they get sex. That's my <laughs> yeah right. yeah that, that, that's it that's it. So we looked at the position and we looked at the names and there's a specific way of naming those positions. It's used like old uh, terms, uh, traditional terms, uh, military terms. Uh, so there's a, a kind of specific. Uh, way as I use birds names too. Uh, so we thought, okay, we need to really think about the names because we, it, it needs to look like a Kamas, Japanese Kamasutra. Mm-hmm. And then I, we did a lot of brainstorming with some Japanese friends. So we thought about the name and we found some, I think, really good names and the Japanese, at least for the Japanese people, they like the names. Yeah, I would agree. The names are really cool. And share some of the names for our listeners because the English translations are very beautiful. Oh, uh, there, there is like, um, the Plover song mm-hmm. or, um, the, um, the Felicidor. I mean, there is a, and we, we cannot translate, uh, totally. There's a broken well bucket too. Uh, <laughs> the sake cup. Yeah, the sake cup. Yeah, yeah. That, that one is from me. I mean, it's not inside. It's not in the original Kamasutra. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I found this one in the Japanese. Oh, yeah, it's a good one because I had ideas on about the name, but sometimes the Chinese told me, no, no, that's, that's bad. <laughs> but that one, they, they kept it. So I'm, I'm happy of that one. Yeah. <laughs> So for our listeners who might want to uh, buy your book and use it, what advice can you give them on how to best use the book in their own life? Uh, so the goal of the book is people who know rope, they should be able to reproduce it. So I tried to keep mm-hmm. the positions simple. Uh, so that is it, but posi- I try to have positions that are different enough so that there is a specific component to it. A specific originality, mm-hmm. uh, so that people can get the idea and try to, you know, mix, combine and do more complex things if they want. But I wanted to keep it the idea simple. That's why the text that accompanies the, the illustration is really short, uh, about how to do the thing. I didn't want it to do a manual. So if you. Mm. Yeah, it's not that all a step by step, like tie this, no, no, tie that. No, no, like no. that's more like this is what you're trying to yeah. do. You, you have to figure out how to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I won't, I, I thought it was, do, I thought doing a manual would be really cumbersome and would be really mm. a lot of work for not that much benefit because most of people will do it differently anyway. And, mm. um, and it wouldn't take so much time. But I saw that, you know, not having the explanation is so nice because you can go to friends and say, Oh, what, how do you think we should do that? We can do that, you know, and you can talk, mm. you can exchange tricks and then you can, build new position and uh, say, okay, I combine this and this and that is so fun, uh, you know? So I think it's a good tool to exchange with other rigor, uh, talk about it, think about it and try to reproduce it uh, within uh, a group. And then you can practice it home and do it, uh, integrate it in your sexual life uh, recently. Mm-hmm. But I think you need to, uh, it's like if you do uh, suspension or hard stuff, 
in SNM and so on, you cannot just say, okay, I will try to do that. And I never did it because the flow is important. The danger is there and so on. So you need to know what you're doing so, so that you can focus on sex. Mm. So it acts as a sort of creative inspiration. Mm. So it's yeah, inspiration and you can practice and then go into the, the, the stuff. And if you don't know about rope, I hope it gives you uh, the will to learn. Mm. Yeah, that would be a really good reason to seek out some yeah. lessons and learn how to do rope so you could do these yeah. things. So what are your plans for the book? So we this is the first 24 positions. Yeah. And as you said, there are 48. So will we have a second book? Yeah, there will be a second book. The position are already uh, done in a way. Uh, I don't know if you look at the video on internet on YouTube. I did a small video. And uh, mm -hmm. there is. I looked at it originally when I backed yeah. Kickstarter. Yeah, so it's a. Uh, I did. I used some figures to put the the shape, uh, the position in, in reality, and I made some sketch to tell the illustrator what we need to be able to see. And uh, then she did uh, illustration, and we do feedback like that. So all the the next 40, 24 position, I did the sketches. I know mm -hmm. it's good. We have the names and so on. We need the illustrator to draw it. We need the calligraph to uh, draw uh, to write the names and uh, make the next book. And it's a lot of work. I think, that, but it should be like three or four months of work. But um, yeah, you know, life is life, and my illustrator had a lot of troubles, <laughs> so it took like. Two years to get the first book done mm. because she was uh, she had multiple troubles, but uh, I think that she understood she could get because I, I'm try to pay them well the artists so that they are happy to do this work too. So I think she understood she could make some money with it, and uh, mm. because I also give uh, the artist uh, royalties on the book, which is something that That's nice. nobody does usually. If you do a, a book with a editor, you would get like six or seven percent of royalties. And, uh, in my case, I give 25% of the benefit to the artist mm. and to the calligraph. Not the same uh, ratio. It's like 20 and five. But, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, so I, I give them. That's really yeah. lovely. So hopefully we can do the second this year. Uh, I hope I will get, uh, balanced in the, in the project because the Kickstarter campaign was about paying the printing fees, not, not okay. the salary of the illustrator, not the mm. salary of the calligraph. It was for the printing fees. Uh, so that's why the, the, the amount of money was kind of low, even though it's kind of, 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 of a lot of money, but I used like, uh, uh 14,000 dollars for the artists and the printing so yeah. now i think we made like ten thousand in total uh to i mean for benefit you have the the shipping fees and so on so i mm -hmm. i i think we, we we can do the second one and we should be able with the second one to also balance that and to have a at least neutral. And, and you'll, you'll probably make another 10,000 when the millions of listeners of the road uh, podcast will <laughs> rush out to buy your book. That, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> uh, can you, as an example, describe for us your favorite position from the first book and tell us a bit how people can use it to have sex? Yeah, so, and it's it's the okay. last position of the book. And uh, I kept it for the last one. It's also the Felicity Lock, because Tome means to stop, and Kotomuki, Kotomuki means, uh, like, felicity, pleasure, paradise, stuff like that. And uh, mm -hmm. what I like in this position is one of the first ones. It's the one, actually, I was talking with a friend in the bar. So the okay. idea is, uh, first, you will tie uh, a wrap around the belly. And okay. you will tie the belly, you will put the, the note in the back of the person, mm -hmm. and you pull this rope towards the, the bed uh, legs. The, the foot, the of, foot the of the bed, yeah. So every time when you're doing like a missionary position, when you're fucking with missionary position, you will, every stroke will get your partner on going up in the bed and eventually they will mm -hmm. hit their head on the head of the bed. <laughs> on the headboard, right? yeah, okay. So that happens okay. all the time. And uh, if you tie the belly at the foot of the bed, it won't happen. All yeah. right, so it's a safety line, <laughs> so you don't hit your head on the headboard. And a lot of person, also, a lot of uh, girls also get pleasure by pressuring the belly. Of course, some don't, yeah. but the pressure of the belly like stimulates the uh, vagina, and and uh, it's it's mm -hmm. it's maybe uh, pleasurable. And uh, that's the first part of the tie. The second part is you tie the legs to the head of the bed, and you try mm -hmm. to tie them. Uh, to pull them in the back. So what happens is that it make your um, hip twist, uh, rotate, mm -hmm. and yeah. up. Opens yeah. the hips. So so you have a perfect angle to uh, penetrate uh, because it rises, okay. it, it gets a good angle to penetrate and to reach a G spot and so on. So it, it, it's really nice. And because you use a rope to hold the leg, uh, you don't need to use your hand to all the mm. legs. So you can touch and caress and so on. Of course, uh, legs are tied and uh, up, up to the knee. So you have all this um, tie that is open to caress and uh, with mm -hmm. all this pressure on the uh, upper knee, you have uh, the blood, uh, trans uh, the blood uh, circulation that is disturbed. So the caress will give some mm. specific new kind of stimulation, which are good too. And if you add also to that, uh, just tying the hands, then the partner is just, okay, I cannot move and they get all the stimulation and uh, you can touch anywhere you want and she cannot do anything and she can just focus on enjoying. That's lovely. I'm sure many of our listeners will be trying that tonight. <laughs> uh, so Mark, for our listeners who are interested in your book, uh, what is the best way to buy it? Uh, you know, I wanted to make it available on Amazon. And that's mm -hmm. really complicated. So Amazon Japan is uh, specific uh, and really annoying with books. Uh, so you cannot buy it if you're not in Japan, on Amazon Japan. Okay. So the only way is you can contact me directly and uh, okay. I will send it. So there's FetLife, there's Twitter, there's Facebook, there's all this stuff you can send me. So I need a mm -hmm. name, address, how many books you want, and so on. And I will just tell you how much it will be. Uh, okay, yeah. so we'll put all your information in the show notes and the, the listeners can contact you to uh, to buy the book 
So that's all from us at the Rope Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from and come find us on our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. If you have a question related to rope, we'd love to answer it in one of our future episodes. Drop us a message on FetLife. And if you like this podcast and would enjoy more episodes, find all the ways to support us on our website, ropepodcast.com. In particular, you can uh, support us directly on our Patreon page. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying.